my notes. Today marks the beginning of our third year, not our fourth. Which makes more sense based on the prophetic word that we've gotten. Especially in February where the Lord said he was going to bring into completion a lot of things in the third year. Well, that would have been over had I been correct. Which makes really no sense. I should, that should have been my first clue <clears throat> that I was off target. But this is the beginning today, actually. This very day marks the beginning of our third year together at Freedom Point. And so I'm really expecting for things to be released this year. Three is the number of completion. Three is also the number of the cube, which is measured by height, depth, length. And that's relative to understanding the love of God because Paul said, I want you to come into a revelation of the love of God, its height, its depth, width, all those things. So we understand that love being the key foundational principle that God wants to release in this house, the word of God and love, because love, out of that revelation of love, he said you can do all these things, but if you miss the mark in love, you've missed the mark bad. So we don't want to do that. And I believe this house will be marked with that, because I'm going to tell you, and you know this already, it's a very unusual place here. It's a very unusual house. There are very unusual situations that we encounter. I've come across more lives of people in the past two or three weeks who their lives are jacked up. I mean, really messed up. Really, really messed up. And I welcome that. Now, I, I've gotten and grown into a place where when people say, man, my life is just totally jacked, I kind of get excited because, you know, it's like, okay, man, what is God about to do for this person? Because now he's bringing them here and connecting them with us. And I'm so excited to see what, because, you know, one thing God is teaching me is to get rid of any thought or any word or any agreement with anything that says anything is impossible. And God has taken me kind of personally through an evaluation of my thought process when it comes to what I think is possible and not possible. And God has re, uh, I guess, exposed himself to who he really is to me and that with him nothing is impossible. So I know the reason he's doing that is because he's trying to recalibrate my vision and my understanding because he wants to do great things and he partners with us in doing great things so he has to have people who are in agreement with him to do great things and so I'm, I'm excited I'm excited to see what and I honestly speak this over this house that this will be a house that's known for the impossible becoming possible for situations that look hopeless and helpless changing and, and I don't think it's going to be as much a house of process as it, as it is a house of instantaneous, miraculous transitioning. Accelerated transition from one state of being into another. And so I'm excited about that. But today we're going to talk about declarations. Now we have a lot of things to hand out to you. And I did not want to give them to you until I have an opportunity to explain them because I don't want you sitting there thumbing through them while I'm trying to explain them, and then you get home and you don't know how to use the tools that we're going to give you. So in a minute, we're going to pass those out. But today I wanted to talk to you about this journey, this journey of declaration, this journey of understanding, the journey of trying to transform our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may be able to approve what is God's will in any situation, what Romans 12, 2 says. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, the Lord began to speak to me about declaring things, and, and I was in a position in business, and I was really becoming frustrated, and the Lord said, you, you make absolutely no declarations over your business. You need to begin to declare what I say in your business. You'll see things change. Now, it wasn't a money issue. It was, uh, you know, other issues that you are involved in now when you're in business in this society that we live in. So I began to make declarations, and we began to see things change. And the Lord said, take that into the house. So I took it in here, and we began to make declarations over our finances. We did this for two weeks. In two weeks, I had three reports of miracles that had taken place in people's finances. I mean, some of really miraculous things happened. So the Lord identified to me immediately, this is not a, just a, 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 a word I'm giving you. This is something I want you to begin to move into. This is a key I'm giving you. Matthew 16, this is a key, okay? When God says, I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom, there are multiple. There's not one silver bullet. There are multiple understandings, multiple principles, multiple keys to being able to navigate in the kingdom. And this is one of the keys. And God said, this is a very strategic key and so I want you to make this very important. I want you to drive this point home. I want you to spend some time hovering within the context of declaration. And so we begin to put this together to present to you. And Paul's going to deliver some of the messages as well. We have six weeks, 40 days to, to extrapolate what God wants to say about declaration. So this morning, I'm not really going to go very deep into what it means to declare, things like that, because I want to give you some tools, and I want to be able to explain those tools with you. So just for a moment, I want to lay just the foundation of where this came from. There are different keys, and we talked about this before. Keys open and close doors, but keys also give us an understanding about things like maps. And I think that in the kingdom, God is showing us a map, if, if, if I can use that analogy. And declarations are a key to understand that map. In other words, when we start talking about prayer posts, we start talking about going into other people's community and setting up and fasting and singing and praying for a day in that region just to give God an avenue into the region we have to have a key to be able to understand the layout of what God's doing in order to be at the right place at the right time, the appointed time. So declaration is a key to being able to navigate in, uh, through that understanding. To be able to declare, you have to have a foundation to stand on to make the declaration. The foundation, the ability to declare, comes from a true understanding of authority. Now, declaration and just positive words are two different things. We're going to talk about both because you can't really leave one out of the other. But to make a declaration is different than just having a positive thing to say about somebody. When you declare something, it's a little bit different than just saying, well, that's a nice shirt you got on, Mark, because you don't really like Mark's. Alabama or Auburn shirt, but you don't want to say anything negative, so you just say something positive. That is a positive word, but that's different than a declaration. And to be able to be a person who can declare something and see it manifest after you declare it, there has to be a sense of authority. There has to be a true understanding 
of the authority that you stand and declare in. And that authority comes from a true understanding of who you are, your identity. Because most people see themselves as a sinner saved by grace instead of the biblical terminology of an individual who's received Christ, which is a son of God and joint heir with Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ. So it's all relative to how you see who you are. You have an identity crisis if you don't see yourself relative to the Word of God. A lot of the reason that we project upon ourselves different identities contrary to the Word is because it takes responsibility off of us in our partnering with in the process of walking into who we truly are. It's easier. It's an easier route. It's an easier route to make excuses instead of assuming the position of authority and sonship because that requires an agreement between us and God and it requires a response and work in the earth. But we have to have a true understanding of identity. And this will mark, I believe, and I heard Mike Bickle say this as well, and, and a lot of guys that, that I follow say this as well, what the church or the kingdom is coming into is a deeper understanding of what really took place in Christ. We're going to walk into a greater understanding of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about this in his letter to the church at Ephesus. I love that letter. I love that letter. It's just so, I could just stay there probably the rest of my life in Ephesians because of where Ephesus was and what the, the transformational impact the church had there. But the foundation has to come from a deeper understanding of what transpired at the work of Christ, not only in the death and burial of Christ, but in the resurrection of Christ, and how we were brought alive with him, and he walked in the fullness of God, and now we walk in the fullness of God. So without that, we can't really stand in authority because we don't know and have a full understanding of what Christ did and who that makes us and how to stand in that same authority and declare something. So it's like you, you have to... Go back to the source. You have to go back to the very root. You have to go back to the very foundation and really examine, which we're going to do some of this, not today, but in the next four or five weeks, six weeks. We're going to examine who we really are in Christ. What really transpired in the fullness of Jesus Christ and what tr who he truly was and who that really makes us. Because without that, guys, you're, you're always striving to earn. You're always striving to work your way into something. You can't work your way into declarations. You can't work your way into this key. You can't work your way into this position. You can't work or strive your way into the context and the setting that God wants to release declarations through. It only comes through His grace in and through Jesus Christ. So we have to have a revelation of that in order to have the foundation to stand on to have the awareness that when we do declare something that is the word of the Lord, it will take place. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you're going to declare something and you're really not going to be confident in what you're declaring. 
I'm going to declare this because it sounds good. If it happens, awesome. If it don't, that's God's sovereignty. Which you never see God guessing when he says anything. God said, let there be light. Lord, I, I hope that works out. If it's my will, it'll work out. If it's not my will, it won't. Let's just wait and see. You never see Jesus doing that. You didn't see Jesus come up on the stern of the boat and say, peace be still if it's God's will. If it's not, let this thing shipwreck us because God's trying to teach us some patience and swimming endurance. We need to have endurance when we swim. God's teaching us a lesson. This boat, you know, is too good for us. We need a smaller boat, so God's going to yank it out from under us. We're going to swim to a smaller boat. Jesus didn't do that. He understood who he was. He was in oneness and agreement with God. He understood the authority that he had been placed in the earth. And he understood the authority that he walked in because he had a true revelation of his identity as a man. As deity in the earth, in, in a flesh man, he still understood that he was in authority over everything. And that when he declared something, there would be no possibility to it that it might fail. That when he declared it was going to to happen because he came from the mindset of the creator God. He was there at creation. He understood that authority that when God spoke, things responded. And that's what God wants to release to us in the earth. I'm telling you, what you have declared to this point has set the framework for your life. That's hard to swallow because if our life doesn't model what we truly want, then we have to take some responsibility in the manifestation of where we are because we've released words that have creative force because you're created in the image of God, your Father, your words create negative or positive, and we have created a framework for our life to set on. And so now our lives have been formed. I'm not saying that everything that happens in our life we cause by our words. I'm just saying we have some role to play in that. We've partnered with either God or the enemy in our declarations that have resulted in some of the things that we're experiencing in our life. And God wants us to make a shift in our life and in our way of thinking and in what we declare because now he wants to send us God's not trying to build another church to pack it full of people who absolutely make no impact in the community. He wants to bring into this house people that can be taught and released. This is a catch and release program. That's what we have here. We are very green. We are very earth friendly here. We are very kingdom friendly. We catch and release. That's what God's, that's his business. He caught 12 and he sent them out. Caught 70, sent them out. Then he caught the earth and sent them all out. That's what he's done with you. So here, we're, we're very, very focused on trying to impart to you keys that you can use out there and go into some of the God-awfulest places that humanity knows and set up a kingdom work that will bring light into darkness. Light always overcomes darkness. There's never a situation where darkness overcomes light. If it, it seems that way, it's because people didn't have a true revelation of light. I promise you we can cut these lights out a million times as long as there's electricity. 
Every time we cut that light switch on, there will be no battle between light and dark. Darkness will leave. Light will prevail every single time. And it's that way in us. And we've got to come to a realization of this that we can honestly expect to be able to impact the earth. Let me ask you, do you really expect your life to matter? Do you really expect your life to make a mark in humanity? Or did God just create somebody to put her along? Every one of our lives should make a mark and an impact and an influence in the earth. Every one of our lives should make a, a significant mark in the kingdom. But you're going to have to, and we're going to have to, and I'm going to have to because God's transitioning me. I'm going to have to transform my thinking to think that that is possible based upon a revelation of who I am, based upon the work of Jesus Christ. Christ did not come so that I could just go to heaven. He came so that I could walk this earth in the fullness of what he possessed, which was the fullness of God. I want to read just these few scriptures to you. Ephesians 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. Now we are holy and blameless before Him in love. Most people don't see themselves that way. Most people, when they encounter God, that's why there's not a lot of presence-based teaching. Because presence makes people uncomfortable. Because it exposes unbelief. It exposes anything in us when we encounter presence that is contrary to the revelation of light in that presence. So we're uncomfortable with presence. Because we don't see ourselves as holy and blameless as He sees us because of the work of Christ. So we don't have a true revelation of the work of Jesus Christ. Or else we could come boldly before the throne of grace in the revelation that we are now sons and daughters, holy and blameless. In love. He predestined us to adoption as sons. That means as children, as sons, daughters. He predestined us through Christ to become sons and daughters according to the kind intention of his will. Ephesians 1.7. You know the reason I love Ephesians? Because Ephesus was one of the most demonized cities at the time Paul walked the face of the earth. There is a direct relationship between the impartation that Paul received and the prophecy of Matthew 16 because Christ stood at the gates of hell in Caesarea Philippi, a demonically charged place that was actually called the gates of hell. That is not just a flippant analogy. He was standing and looking at this idol worship to Pan. He was looking at people who were performing actual human sacrifice, bestiality, all of the perversion that you can imagine. Christ takes the, his disciples right into the heart of that demonized place, and a lot of scholars I've read behind believe that Christ began to yell these words to Peter 
so that everyone around could hear him say, who do you say I am? Who does man say that I am? A lot of people believe he was screaming, and, the, and Peter said, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, I tell you, upon this rock, he changed his name, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So the declaration there was that my church is supposed to go into the most demonized places in the earth and set up residence and dispel what you see here. Most devout Jews would not even go into Caesarea Philippi. They wouldn't be caught dead there. They wouldn't be caught dead in North Birmingham. They wouldn't be caught dead in what we consider some of the darkest places of our region. When Christ said, that's where I'm setting up my church. Now churches get into a region that becomes dark, they move. And Christ said, that's where I'm taking my church out of the suburbs, out of the, out of the you know, nice, neat, sweet-smelling places, and I'm setting up my church. And that's why Paul received that impartation, and he could write to the church at Ephesus. And if you study the history of Ephesus, it actually was transformed into a base of the church. But you have to be able to understand this letter to this church. This is why I'm intrigued by this letter, because this letter is us. This letter is a, a, a letter to us from God saying, this is who I've called you to be, and this is what it's going to take for you to survive in that area. I keep asking God, y'all know how I feel about this apostolic prayer, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Don't give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know other people's faults better. We do receive discernment so that we can know how to act appropriately. But wisdom and revelation has to, first of all, be in the knowledge of him. It's the base. A revelation of Jesus Christ is the base of all knowledge. The fear of the Lord. That's a reverential understanding and awe of who he is, a, a desire, a seeking, a wanting to know him more. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Not to be afraid, but to want to. The fear of the Lord is a drawing thing. It's not a repellent. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Know the hope. Any gospel that does not bring hope, I, I resist. I won't ever allow a gospel to be preached from this pulpit that does not bring hope. If you're not giving me hope for my children, I don't want to hear what you have to say. If you're one of those people that says, boy, I wouldn't raise kids in this hell hole called the earth now. I just wouldn't get pregnant now. I'd hate to know I was raising kids in this earth now. Then that, There's no hope in that. What, what are you offering me in that? Is that the word of the Lord? No. So anything that he's called me into that doesn't bring hope, I'm going to reject it because right here he says, I want you to have a deeper revelation of the hope that is found in him calling you to him. When he calls you to him, it always is substantiated through hope because hope is the seedbed of faith. Faith is the substance of things that you hope for. Without hope, there's no faith. So when he calls you to him, the instantaneous environment is an environment of hope. That's why people who preach anything other than hope, 
you need to reject. Because it's not based in a true revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, you don't know my son. Listen, I know my circumstances, and I'm not going to listen to anything other than hope. Because, honey, I don't need no help in the negative department. If I want to receive negative, I don't have to have anybody in this room to do that. The enemy can give me enough on my own. I just listen to what he's got to say. I don't need no help. But if you want to connect with me and we can declare hope and we can stand together and we can come into agreement, now you're the person I need to connect with. Anybody that doesn't speak hope into your situations, you need to sever those relationships. You can be friendly to them. You can be nice to them. They may be family members. You can, you can be cordial, but you don't need to have an agreement or a connection with people who speak anything to any situation of your life that is not bringing hope. If you have people that curse your marriage, you need to sever that. If you have people that curse your children, you need to sever that. You don't have to receive the terrible twos. You don't have to receive that. You don't have to receive teenagers are going to rebel. You don't have to receive that. Some do, some don't. Some do, well, some don't. I can show you some that didn't. So it's all in what you're going to come into agreement with. There's a hope when he calls you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, which means you are his inheritance. That's amazing. That's totally opposite. But it's a, it's a reciprocal truth. And his incomparably great power for us who believe, the power that is the same power and his same strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now he's talking about Christ, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Now if you study that out, every name that is invoked means there has been a declaration. In other words, people who declare things in any name other than the name of Christ, Christ is in authority over that declaration. So you have the authority to come in on the heels of negative declaration. A negative declaration that's been named or declared in the name of any other God. We know who the father of all lies are. So a declaration that's been made, a curse, you can come in with a God declaration in the name of Jesus and that blessing will always, always, always be successful or overpower the curse. Blessing is far more powerful than cursing. So he said, I set Christ up at my right hand, gave him authority, a place of authority, and that his name is above every other name that is invoked, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Not only today, but tomorrow. The age that is to come, we always think about heaven. And yes, Christ is the supreme. We understand that. We understand that Christ will rule forever. His kingdom will never experience an end. Of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. We get that. But today is all we have. Today is all we have. It's the only day we possess, today. Today, Christ has been made the supreme authority. And tomorrow... Christ will still be in supreme authority. And the next day, Christ will still be in supreme authority. So what are you worried about? Tomorrow will have situations within itself, built within the matrix of that day, but Christ will still be in authority. Be of good cheer. 
in this life you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. Why? Because tomorrow, no matter what comes, I'm still in supreme authority. And I grant that authority to you. Far above all rule, power, names that are invoked, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is what? His body, the fullness of him. So he said, this is who I've made Christ to be. This is who I've made you to be in him. Why is it relative, guys? Why does it even matter that you get a revelation of this? Because I'm talking about the context, the setting of being able to declare. If you don't get this, then your declarations will come out of, out of a, a place where there's no validity. There's no authority. You can invoke a name, but without relationship. They said, by the God of Paul, by the name that Paul uses, I adjure you to come out. He said, Christ I know, Paul I know, but who are you? You can't just invoke it based upon, in other words, just because we say it don't mean it's going to happen. There has to be this context, this setting, this understanding of who you are that it comes out of and that it's coming out of that authority given to you through Christ and that you're declaring whatever the Lord is saying to you, you're declaring that. And out of that context and understanding, you have relationship, you have a foundation to which you can see a manifestation of what you declare. Outside of that, outside of presence, everything will get skewed. Outside of presence, everything. The Word of God can be mistranslated and skewed outside of presence. Take people who are not presence-based people and let them try to explain the Word to you. That gets, that gets really out there. Ephesians 2.5 Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him. It was more than just the time that you received Christ. When Christ was raised from the dead, when Christ was raised up and seated at that right hand of the Father, you right then were raised up with him. You right then. Everybody who would come, everybody who would accept this place of authority and this place of Salvation and salvation is more than just missing hell. Salvation is salvation in every area of your life. You at that moment were raised up with Christ. He raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ. Why did Paul drive home this understanding of identity? Why did he feel it necessary to constantly beat this message into the church at Ephesus? Why did he want them to know the authority that they had been given through Christ because they were in the most demonized city in that area. Everything that they did had to come from a place of an understanding of who they were because every time they would declare the word of the Lord, they would be challenged. They would be met with opposition and demonic activity and demonically possessed people in a demonically charged culture. And they had to stay in this mindset of who they were. To take authority and declare over the things that were going on because there were a lot 
of gods being worshipped and there were a lot of cursing and blessing in the name of other gods. And that's why Paul said Christ has been given the name of authority over every name that has been named. Every name that can be invoked in cursing or blessing has to bow at the name of Jesus. This is why, it's why he drove this home to the church at Ephesus. So that Christ, Ephesians 3, so that Christ may, 17, so that Christ may dwell in the hearts of you through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, length, height, and depth. He makes that correlation of these characteristics of love to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. I didn't say you were going to become gods. I didn't say we were going to take the place of God. I didn't say we were going to miss our mark by trying to become like the father of evil and be God. But we can walk and are supposed to walk in this earth in the fullness of God. That's heavy. Genesis 1. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God created by using words, not thoughts. The thoughts were relative to the words, but the words released created the framework of the earth. The words released create the framework of your existence. And you walk in that fullness it's amazing to me how we've partnered with the very thing that we hate most of the time. We hate something about our life and we come into agreement with it and we release words that empower it. Oh my goodness, what are we doing, people of God? What are we doing, people who walk in the fullness of God? We are partnering with the very thing that is destroying our lives. We are partnering with the very thing that is keeping us from manifesting to a creation that yearns for our manifestation. God's going to change that. That's why he's teaching you this. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to recalibrate your way of seeing things. Ephesians 4 and 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. This is why the enemy has sought to erode the foundation of the fivefold ministry. This is why the enemy seeks to undermine the apostles and prophets because it is the foundation of the move that happened, the revelation that Paul had about how to, to implement a church. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the body. Paul had a revelation and an understanding of how the body was to operate. He said he gave some apostles and prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. You have to have the fullness of the fivefold ministry. Other people, people can walk in all of these. Christ walked in every single office that is named here. I'm not saying that there's going to be one apostle, one prophet. Now, I understand there has to be authority. There has to be people over the house, and there has to be uh, order. I understand all that, but I'm saying that these were put here by him, Giving of himself is what the scripture says. He actually pulled out of himself an apostle. He pulled out of himself the office of a prophet. He pulled out of himself the office of the evangelist. All these offices are actually pieces of Christ himself that come together to make the full body. 
without that, if the enemy can erode that and say there's no need for apostles and prophets, although the word of God identifies Christ as being the chief of both of these, the cornerstone, because the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ being the chief cornerstone, if he can erode this, he can strip the power from the church. He does not care. The enemy does not care about big churches. It's no threat to him. In other words, I'm not knocking big churches because, my God, that's awesome. I mean, the more people you got there, the more people you can impart to and the more people you can send out. That's the way it works. Thank God for that. One day we're gonna, we'll, we'll be involved in all that on every level. And all of you got a place to serve in that. This is the foundation that's being laid. Let me slow down. Okay. I get excited about this stuff. Every one of you, bar none in this room, are key. You're a key foundational stone for what he's doing here. There will never be a person that comes into this house that's not key in the kingdom. Everybody that's here this morning has value in the kingdom. Everyone that's here this morning has value in the kingdom. You have a place in the kingdom. You have, you have an assignment in the kingdom. Well, I'm not an apostle. It's okay. There are gifts. There are offices. Maybe you don't operate in an office. Maybe you operate in gifts. I don't know what, who you are, but I'm happy to explore that with you, and we will celebrate it together, whoever you are. We need more praisers, don't we, Gary? Justin's not here this morning. Him and his wife are... Justin's burying the grandfather today. And, you know, it's an awesome opportunity. We got to minister to them last night. And so, you know, my heart goes out to them. That's, that's terrible. You know, it's just, it's a loss for them. But we need more worshipers. We need more, we need more people to, to do the things that we see God wants to do here. So everybody, and let me tell you something. Side note, I got to hurry. Sidebar here. If you don't, Use your gift. If you don't operate in that, then you're touching the glory of God. That's serious. It's not just, well, I just don't feel comfortable. I mean, you're hindering the glory move by not releasing yourself in the fullness of who you are. God created you to be you. Whatever unique way that that presents... If you don't allow that out, you don't plug into that, you're hindering God and you're touching the glory. So don't do that. Apostles, prophets, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the fullness of of Christ. This is why you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. This is why you have them. To perfect us, to mature us, so that we can walk the earth in the fullness of Jesus Christ, a mature body. Who knows how to walk into an area, not be disturbed by our emotions, our feelings, whatever facts present, and we can stand in the firm acknowledgement of who we are in Christ and declare
Colossians 1.19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Christ. It pleased God to have every bit of himself dwell in Christ. Colossians 2.9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and every authority. So every power, and I'm tired, I'm really growing very, very, I'm not going to use a negative word here, but I'm very, very, um, very ready to partner with God and dispel the lies of the enemy that cause a repetitious life cycle when people really need to encounter the power of a miraculous God that I contain the fullness of. In other words, I'm not ever going to pray Christ heal anymore. Never. Because he never prayed God heal. Christ never laid hands on anybody and said God heal them. He said be healed. It's not ill. It's us coming into complete alignment with what he intends to do from the very beginning. I understand that people may have to walk through a process. And I understand that people hold some responsibility in their life. They hold that responsibility. But Paul had an experience when he was Saul. And does God love Saul at that moment more than he loves your person, your child, your relative? Does he love Saul more than your relative? If he does, the Bible's a lie. I'm not talking about favor that you find yourself in based upon your obedience. I'm not talking about favor, I'm talking about love. So will God give your relative a Saul experience? Maybe he hasn't because you haven't come into agreement with that. You say, well, I don't know if there's any hope for that old boy. I don't know if there's any hope for that old girl. My Lord, 40 years old, still living at home. I mean, maybe you're partnering. Maybe God is poised to release that experience, and you're the one hindering it. And then you ask God, why hadn't you, God? Why hadn't you? We've got we to shift, man. We've got to shift. God has empowered me to walk this earth in the full... Listen. Do I know about all this? Do you see me, everybody I lay hands on get healed? No. Don't let that hinder you from coming up for prayer from me. But I'm just saying, everybody I pray for, don't get healed. All right? So I press toward that mark. That's my goal. That's my standard. What I see in Christ is my mark. Anything short of that, I've fallen short of that glory that he walked in. I don't want to fall short of the glory. I got relationship. I want to be in that glory. So I don't want to fall short of that. That's my mark. That's my standard. Anything short of that, I don't want anymore. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. You ain't got time for that. I'm 43. I was 42 last year. Next year I'll be 44. Time is elapsing as we speak. I got to seize the day. Carpe diem. We got to seize today. It's all we got. So today we want to be the fullness of God in the earth and we want to release what Christ released. Nothing short of that. Nothing short of that. We don't take anything short of what we see in Christ. A full revelation of Him in us is what we strive for. Anything short of that, we refuse. Any lie short of that, I laugh at. You can't do that. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Do that. Ha, ha, ha. Laugh. Ha, ha, ha. 
Now, see, you start laughing for real. It's silly. Any lie of the enemy, we're going to laugh at because it doesn't line up with this. He don't want you to have this. He don't want the church to plug into this. I got to get to the books. We can go over a lot of this next week and the next week. Deuteronomy 30, 19 ties in with Proverbs 18, 21. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. Your choices, whether you partner with God, will determine and have an impact. I'm going to say have an impact into the next generation. So we're not just turning our lives. It's like turning the Titanic. It's not just turning us. It's pulling generations with us. That's the tension within what we're saying. Is that we're pulling generations with us that have not even walked on the earth yet. We're pulling them into. We are declaring things that are going to be spoken into generations to come. That are going to manifest into those generations. And that's the tension within what we're striving for here. And I get that. Now, all right, guys, if you will come up. Ken, will you help Mark? Gary, will you help us? Paul, you want to help us? We're going to give you some books to help us on this journey. All right, and I'm going to go over them real quick, and then we're going to go because it's 12 o'clock. Not that I'm in a hurry not to give you something. you get to where you measure a service by time, you're in trouble. Short or long. It's like measuring anointing by volume. It's dangerous. Everybody get a book. Yeah. Uh, they may have them, man. Well, 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 well. We can give them out as people leave. There you go. Huh? Well, there's a basket in the kitchen. Put them out. Bring them to I just hand them out, but. Has everybody got a book? And you guys get through handing out. I'll tell you what, let's go over the book real quick before we hand these out. If you'll flip past the blue page, 40 days of declaration, there's a chart there. This chart is to help you. It's there to use as a tool. Understand that declaring and declarations are a tool. It's not the end-all, be-all. He said, I will give you keys. It's plural. This is a key. But this chart is going to help you navigate this journey. Okay? It's kind of like a checklist of your day. Am I doing the best I can? Am I setting forth the best effort I can? You see B-R-R-D, everything that up at the top, right? If you look at the bottom, there's a key that tells you what these letters represent. Key, see? They help you navigate an understanding of what you're looking at. B-R, Bible reading. If you, if you notice in the back, flip to the very back page, all the way to the back. On the back of the back page, there's a Bible reading plan. This Bible reading plan helps you and sets a context in Scripture for what you're going to be declaring. OK? 
okay? These are faith-building scriptures. Because even if, you're, even if you're not down with this, I challenge you, by faith, to begin to operate in it. Read the Word, meditate on it, let God speak to you, and what you're going to find out is that as He calls you, there's going to be hope. There's hope in His calling. And that in that hope, faith is going to be born. Okay? So there's a Bible reading plan there for you every day. What BR means. Read devotional. If you turn to the first page after the chart, every day has built within it a devotional and a declaration that goes with the devotional. Now, this is just one declaration. All right? If you look at, back at the chart, DD stands for Spoken Daily Devotional. That means you actually said it out loud. That's what it means to speak. Don't just read it and say, hmm, that was sweet. Speak it. You need to hear yourself say it. You need to declare it. You need to stand up and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm believing. Speak it. So we want you to speak that devotion, that, that declaration that goes with the devotion, okay? Now, OD, other declarations. Having you flip a lot, but flip to the very back again. Very, very back, and turn over one page. You see that we've given you actually two pages. Declaration list one, declaration list two, declaration list three. These are additional declarations that you can take every day and declare over yourself. As you hear these things, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by your ability to hear what God is saying. And hearing is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. So you hear the Word of God, whether it be spoken to you by God, whether you read it, and it's the written Word of God that becomes alive and spoken Word of God, whether it's a dream, whether it's a vision, whether it's a prophetic word, you hear the Word of God, you build in faith. So we've given you other declarations to make about yourself. So every day, look over that list and declare that about yourself, okay? And then NLPL, in the chart, back in the chart, negativity fast, positivity feast. We want you to see that so that you can check it and say, I was actually aware of that. All right? I'm going to tell you, built within this transformation is moments of unsatisfactory behavior. Put it that way. In other words, you're going to say things that are negative if you're a person that's been trained to say negative things. All right? But what we're trying to help you do is, is recalibrate and transform. So don't become upset if day one you're not perfect. Alright? Because this is going to be this is going to be absolutely revelation to me. Alright? So that's what this book is about. Does everybody understand it? Anybody have any questions about the book? We start tomorrow together. Tomorrow, you can start today, but let's all set it in our heart that we're going to start the devotion part tomorrow so that every day we're all on the same page. We know where everybody is. Okay, It's not going to end for 40 days. It's not going to skip a day. So everybody got that? 